Hi everyone, I'm Becky. And this is Claire. And welcome to another episode of Podway. All right, so welcome back. This is going to be the part two um, of our... Aren't you going to say this is a podcast, blah, blah, blah? Oh, are we going to do that? I don't know. I mean, we can we can just like redo it. Doesn't okay. mean <laughs> okay. anything because we always so, like, say the whole it, thing. Like, the whole thing. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, do we do so five seconds or no? <laughs> yeah, I think we can. We can just start from there. Okay. 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 Hi everyone. I'm Becky. And this is Claire. Welcome to another episode of Podway. Podway. All right. So this is the podcast when we talk about things about musicals, and in today's episode, we are going to continue our last week's discussion on Rent. Right, and if you guys want to hear, you know, a synopsis of the show or what happened, you know, previously before we're starting part two, <laughs> definitely tune back to listen to the first part of the Rent episode. Okay, so we are going to a song that you really, really like, Claire, oh my God. and it's Over the Moon. So Maureen's performance begins. It's very comical and unusual, and uh, it's a very, very clear and obvious allegory to closing the lot for the st- cyber studio. What are your thoughts? <laughs> I hate it. I feel like it's one of the songs I always skip. I don't even know if I should call it a song because to me, the melody part was so little to the point that I'm really having a hard time to sit through the entire song. Mm-hmm. And the part when she like repeats, I can't remember the lyrics to be honest, but she repeats something for like, almost 20 times and she was just like doing the headbang in the movie too and I was just I can't it's just mm-hmm. so weird when I watched the movie too when I was a kid I also don't get I didn't get the the metaphor I had oh. no idea what she was talking about <laughs> mm-hmm. and everything about this number well like the scene even was just so weird so to be <laughs> honest Maureen as a character painted a very weird picture for me because my first impression of her just like I have no idea what's going on and mm-hmm. everything that is happening is just for me it was just so hard to understand <laughs> and uh, and I am really having a hard time to understand like who she is what is she trying to do and what's the point of all this um have you heard of the expression so bad it's good <laughs> Oh my god, do you like it? Is it your favorite? I hope it's Oh not. no no no, it's definitely not my favorite. Um, okay. Thank goodness. Yeah, I mean again, I don't I think I don't like Maureen that much mm-hmm. as a person, obviously. She is relatively entertaining, I think, to see. She's my my least favorite cast member for sure though. But I think it's just so in character of her to do something like that. She's such a megalomaniac that you know, something doing this kind of performance is absolutely, you know, what she's all about. And I respect that in a way. And I think, you know, you can call it a performance very loosely and a song even more loosely. But this kind of like batshit crazy, very clunky performance still shows a lot of talent in it. Um, Like she has a lot of like, you know, weird acting and she has very impressive like singing, even though it's very, very few and far in between in there. So I was, you know, a little bit impressed, even though I didn't want to be. Um, and I was <laughs> thinking like, you know, it must be really awkward after after watching this, because I was pretty invested while I was watching it, how awkward it must be for the actress. Um, and the person who originated is Idina Menzel, who is, of course, a Broadway legend. She's amazing um, and played the original Alphaba. 
and of course was in Glee as well. <laughs> so I was really, really impressed by the song itself. I really actually liked when she says like, oh, only thing you could do is jump over the moon and she sang it. I'm guessing mm-hmm. that's the line that you thought about that she repeats like 20,000 times. I don't know. I just, it's it's very entertaining to watch because it's so crazy. Um, and I have a very high threshold for things that are supposed to be crazy and are a little bit cringy. So yeah, I, I, I did enjoy it. <laughs> I don't think it's one of my Wow. Favorites. Okay. Okay. I mean, I'm glad that you enjoyed it because I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's fair. I think it's like, just because it's so novel, you don't see stuff like that all the time. It's weird to see something that is so crazy and out of the box, you know? I guess. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I figured you can sympathize with this, um, but maybe, maybe there is a glimpse of understanding. Okay, so now we're going to the closing of Act 1. Um, we're just going to group it all together. So we have Lovie Bohem A, I Should Tell You, and Lovie Bohem B. So the gang goes to a restaurant after the performance is done, and they're refused entrance because because the scene previously, they didn't pay for their stuff previously, and they're also very important customers at the restaurant tonight. Um, and those important customers happen to be Benny and his father-in-law. So um, we'll find out his wife didn't show up to the performance because Benny's wife, I mean, because there was a death in the family and um, the person, or I guess the dog that died, is the dog that Angel killed. Um, so Benny says Bohemia is dead, which prompts Mark to stage a fake funeral to Bohemia to make fun of Benny, and then quickly talk about like the rebirth of Bohemia in an allegory to Jesus. This is all taking place around Christmas time, uh, or specifically on Christmas time. And him and the gang sing about like how much they like their bohemian lifestyle. Um, so during the song, Benny and Mimi, we find out that Benny and Mimi hook up like three months before that and Rogers doesn't know. Um, and yeah, that makes Benny a cheater. He cheated on his wife and I love that he's there with his father-in-law after he literally cheated on his daughter, but okay. Um, also, we find out that Mimi is HIV positive too, which Rogers find out at the same time. And as a result, they open up to each other and get together. Joanne breaks up with Maureen, good for her, honestly. And she also reveals that there are riots in the streets about the closure of the lot. Um, and in the end of the song, I believe they actually get together, back together at least. So it's kind of a big clusterfuck of things that are happening. What do yeah. you think? All right. So this is a number that I didn't enjoy as much. To be oh. honest, there are parts of the song that I felt like was pretty catchy that I did actually enjoy. But mm. as a whole, it's very wild like it kind of goes in all sorts of direction it is um and like i said it has a tons of references from the vodka brand to or like songwriter's name Mm -hmm. and for me i had a really a hard time to try and understand what all those things mean well we know we covered a song time so that's yeah (laughs) (laughs) and also like the scene in the in the musical for this song it's a little bit sexual. Mm. I can't remember if in the movie it was the same, but in the in the musical it has. It was less so. Yeah, so it was pretty explicit in the musical, and I imagine like if you go watch it with your family, then this will be the a little bit awkward <laughs> along with like the other part in in Act Two. But yeah. to be honest, I feel like as a closing number for Act One, it is actually quite a nice number because it kind of tells you reinforcing the spirits that mm. they're trying to live by. 
as a young person who lives in a totally different cultural and society standard, Taiwan or Asia, it was something that was very eye-opening or very different, very new to me. So being able to expose to that sort of value or even lifestyle in a way was just like wow <laughs> to me like I didn't to be honest like for a really long time I thought like all Americans kind of think that way and then like, the, the freedom like it just mean so much more differently in mm -hmm. the U.S. or like in the western context versus like what I'm used to in my traditional society um, standards so in that sense I think this song is very special to me just because that from my personal connection or history with it it's really an eye-opener for me mm -hmm. but what do you think yeah I agree in terms of messiness it is actually segmented into three distinct songs but they all blend together and I didn't really see the need to cut them because they mm -hmm. happen in literally the same time it's really important actually for the rest of the musical specifically that I should tell you I should tell you is kind of like whenever Roger and Mimi act in harmony with each other and understand each other and are willing to work on the relationship and it shows up multiple times in act two and I appreciate mm -hmm. it a lot I also think it's very catchy specifically that part and it is a very romantic tune to it in terms of the La Vie Bohème's um, I'm assuming they're taking the name from La Bohème um, which is a nice nod to it I like when things are very segmented and a little bit chaotic, so I think like it's pretty opposite perspective from you. But I also didn't like the like the very sexual tone of the uh, number, especially mm -hmm. when Maureen moons the, I guess, audience. So in the stage, it goes, it's like much more pronounced, I think, than in a movie. But yeah, that felt a little bit uncomfortable, and then there's a lot of sexual talk. In terms of the numbers, I thought it was really like vivacious and full of life. And um, as I usually do with a lot of segmented stuff, I enjoyed understanding the references that I did. So I think I only picked up on half the references as well. And I had to look up everything else. Mm -hmm. um, and I liked learning a little bit more about like why they referenced it and what they referenced. So that was fun. Um, I liked the like cheekiness of it. So like, you know, staging the entire death to Bohemia and then a revival part, which is a nice nod to Christmas and to Jesus. And I like when they had a funeral, they sang Dies Era in the background kind of like <laughs> yeah. to signify the death. And we talked extensively about Dies Era and Sweeney Todd. So um, <laughs> it was definitely nice to recognize it. And I did mention the hair, I think, in a previous one. So when they go like the bisexual, homosexual, homo sapien, and so on. It gave me very, very strong hair vibes. And it's kind of like a mishmash of sodomy and I got a life. Um, and I thought it was like a nice element, to be honest. I don't know. I enjoyed it. I think it's a, like you, I think it's a very good and strong act one closer. Um, and I'm glad that was the closing number for it. And even though, you know, I wasn't totally comfortable with how sexual it was, overall, it is very fun, very full of life. And it's a part where all the group is very, very united with each other and feel a lot of camaraderie to each other. Something that will be very, like, quick, quickly reserved in Act 2. So closing on that, I think, is closing on a very high note. And it will show the stark differences between the acts. So yeah, overall, thumbs up for this song. 
Okay, so Act 2 opens with very, very famous Seasons of Love. Um, and this one is Seasons of Love A. So um, it is the most famous number by far. The cast members come back and show that a, uh, actually a week has passed since Act 1. So they wonder how to measure a year and decide a year is measured in love. So to be honest, I was a little bit confused about why they're singing it here, because only a week has passed. But then I'm guessing they sing it because like the week jump jumps to the New Year's Eve and it kind of reflects on the year that they had before. Um, and they kind of like try to calculate and understand how things have changed for them in that year. Um, I also really like that there are a lot of gospel music notes in here and it kind of like cements a church and funeral feel to the moment and it kind of foreshadows a little bit Angel's death for me. Um, and obviously it's it's a really good song. There is a reason why it's like the most famous number. It's truly great. But what do you think? Yeah, I love this number. I think everyone does, to be honest. Like, yeah. if you know one song from this musical, most likely it's going to be this one. And um, I haven't seen anybody said any bad things about the song being, like, horrible or anything online. So I'm pretty sure everyone can agree that this is a good song. And it's one of those songs that the musical is going to be known for. At least the song for for the musical totally. and um i agree with you i think it's a very good explanation and what you did with like trying to make sense of why they placed the song here because there is only been a week but yeah all in all it's a very emotional song like it reminds you of like how precious time is which mm -hmm. is tying back to the big theme the musical is trying to communicate which is the biggest thing that or like my favorite thing from this musical is like time is precious you need to kind of treasure like what you have and mm -hmm. to really treat the loved ones around you with like patience and love pretty much yeah and and I like that message I really enjoy it I, I know like other things are probably a little bit more controversial but like for me this is the big thing and this is the thing that I enjoy the most Mm -hmm. So I like this. The main song is also tying back to that theme. And I like what I did with the lyrics and saying that, how do you measure the time? And then it will be like in daylights and, and sunsets. And then they, they do like all this kind of things like in coffees and stuff. And I'm just like, oh, this is so, so cute. You know, it's very beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, the way they quantify it and trying to write about this, the time too. Um, so yeah, I enjoy the song. I feel like I've always enjoyed it since I watched the movie when I was like 13. Mm -hmm. And I enjoy it now. So this song doesn't age for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is definitely a very good song. So I did listen to like the cast recording first before watching anything. Mm -hmm. And I did think that this is like the point where Angel died because it's very melancholic. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't. So that's why I tried really hard to understand why they placed it here. Like how did time pass when I actually like watched it? So it was a little bit confusing, but I think, I guess it does make sense, especially when they call back to it later when another year passes. Mm -hmm. um, all right, so next song is Happy New Year A. So it's New Year's Eve, uh, as we mentioned, and the gang congregates around Mark's and Roger's apartment trying to break in after they were locked out by Benny. So um, Maureen is... Uh, still hung up on like Joanne um, and begs her for forgiveness saying she would do anything she would be her slave whatever yada 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 and Joanne uh, forgives her and gets and they get back together so the power comes back on by the end of the number though they don't really know how 
and I guess maybe we can pair it with voicemail three. So uh, Mark's mom calls again to wish him a happy new year and congratulate his footage of the riot making it to the news and urges him to call back home. Um, and after that, another voicemail um, comes in from a news organization offering Mark a job. So what do you think? <sighs> <laughs> yeah, I, I have a feeling that you're going to complain about the fact that Mark is not Going back his parents? Or I you? did all my complaining already. I don't want to be back on record, <laughs> but I wish he called his family. Yeah, I'm not sure if he said this in the musical, to be honest, but in the movie, he says something like, sometimes I wonder why I'm still living here, and then yeah. my parents call, and then that's why. Yeah, and I didn't I'm do like, it in okay. the musical, I believe, but in the movie, he did it, and it was like, they call to tell you they love you, and you say that's why. <laughs> I don't really <laughs> get that, but okay. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what happened. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay, so I guess that's it. I don't have much to say about it either. Um, I feel like Happy New Year is a pretty forgettable song, to be honest. I understand, yeah. like, a lot of stuff happened in it. Um, so, And they don't want to have it replaced by dialogue, so they do want it to put it in song form, but just not a very memorable song to me. And yeah. um, I do like the motif of the voicemails and just having them over and over again, but I just don't see why they're there because they don't do anything for the plot um i guess in this yeah. case the only thing that happens or contributes to a plot is a news job newspaper offering him a job but apart from that the majority of it is just like the parents calling in concern about their kids yeah it just does nothing but upset me <laughs> yeah i agree i think the song itself it's like you said like it can be easily cut i don't really understand why it has to be made into a song and in terms of like driving the plot like not much really happened here mm -hmm. so yeah I do enjoy musically like the voicemail specifically the happy new year I think is forgettable musically as well um but I just don't see the narrative purpose for it okay I mean I don't enjoy any of the voicemail musically but I'm glad you did <laughs> <laughs> okay that's good at least um all right so after this we have happy new year b so um Maureen urges Mark to accept the job and she immediately sees the opportunity of this job offer and wants to stage another protest so she could star in it, of course. Joanne isn't Maureen, too happy yeah. with... I know, right? Maureen, classic Maureen. <laughs> uh, but Joanne isn't obviously too happy for all the attention Maureen gives Mark. She's jealous. Just from this interaction alone, just like Maureen is so narcissistic. It's incredible. And meanwhile, the cast which is, wishes each other Happy New Year. Benny crashes the party and says they didn't have to destroy the door. He would have let them in. And Mimi questions why he's changing his tune. He asks Mark to get it on camera and make kind of like a publicity stunt of giving them a key for the apartment. And they call him out on it saying they still that he still cleared out the lot. Um, so his actions aren't really okay, no matter how much he tries to like pacify them now. And Ezra Tribution, he reveals that he and Mimi used to be a couple. And upon learning this, Roger um, gets really angry and says Mimi isn't his girlfriend and she can do whatever she wants. Which isn't the best reaction, but still, I understand um, from at least the character that he is why he did that. Um, and Angel, sweetheart Angel as she is, tries to diffuse the tension and uh, she manages to do that. So they all celebrate together. The friends urge Mimi and Roger to apologize to one another and smooth things out. And they do. But just as the song ends, we see Mimi buying drugs. I mean, I like how this eventful but to be honest, musically, it doesn't do too much yeah. for me. 
And obviously, you gotta appreciate Angel. I know. So sweet. She's so sweet. Just like come in, like whenever there's tension, I love it. Like you need that one person in the friend group. And I think that explains it why after, you know, she passed away, that the friend group kind of just kind of fall apart because there is no one person who's able to kind of make sure everybody kind of stick together. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And in terms of Benny, I feel like. In Act 1, I really have a lot of empathy for Benny. But yeah. then starting Act 2, when he found out about Rogers and Mimi dating, I have no idea why he's acting the way he is. Same. Because he's married, right? So he why cheated, is he like, though. He cheated on his wife. This yeah, happened three so months weird. ago. Yeah. Yeah. He's is it like, weird that he's a scumbag? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, people cheat on their I don't know. Because like, he didn't time. come out as like a jerk, kind oh, of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously he's a jerk to Mark for and, and Rogers probably but for a totally different reason right mm-hmm. and I guess maybe it's like to add um, the tension or like to build up the story arc for Rogers and Mimi's relationship but then choosing Benny to be the person to do it is just completely destroyed the character for me in a way um, because he and Mimi had a thing and then obviously like you said like they're cheating on his wife or whatever and then he's like purposely trying to break it off between Rogers and Mimi. Mm-hmm. So that's just wrong. Benny, mm-hmm. not cool. So yeah. I really cannot like Benny's character from this point on kind of. It's just okay. like I understand you in terms of the rent and everything else, but this it just like a whole nother issue for me. And it's especially egregious considering they try to give him a redemption arc later. Yeah. I dislike that immensely. Like Benny in Act One, like you said, I totally understand him. He is an okay character. But from Act Two, he's horrible. Especially like when Mimi and Roger do break up and he's like, Oh, you said you won't talk to him anymore. So he's making sure that like he's isolating her from him while he's still married. Yeah. And Roger's just a friend. Yeah. Right? Oh my god. Yeah, I I can't say enough about it. It's mm-hmm. just so wrong in a lot of ways. Yeah, hundred <laughs> yeah, yeah. percent. Maybe they're trying to like keep the like you know whatever whoever the person's driving the plot in the sense like they're trying to keep it within the the core cast. But still, like, why would you do that? It's just so wrong, and especially knowing that they're friends. I don't think it's necessary. They had, like, enough of their own baggage and, like, you know, Rogers being insecure about the entire relationship to begin with that he would have made a decision regardless on his own and the first, Mm -hmm. like, sign of problem. So it was really unnecessary. I agree. I think the love triangle, it's very forced in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is totally not necessary to drive the plot along. Mm -hmm. Agreed. And, yeah, before we close this, I... Uh, didn't think much of it musically, as I mentioned. It's it's similar to the Happy New Year A. But I was very impressed, obviously, by Angel trying to defuse in the situation and by uh, Mimi's acting here, um, or I guess Renee's acting here. Uh, when she, like, confronts or, like, tries to justify why she talked to Benny about the power and stuff like that, like, she was very convincing and she was like, oh, you know, I didn't do anything with him. I tried to, like, mm-hmm. tell him he was I wasn't his whore, stuff like that. And I was really convinced. And I think she showed a lot of emotion there and Benny keep keeping going and like trying to like muddy the situation and be like very antagonistic despite that to Rogers I think like was a good interaction between them um so even though I don't like you know suddenly evilizing him um or making him even more villainous than he is mm-hmm. I enjoyed the kind of like things that brought out from me okay that makes sense yeah that makes sense 
And I think like Roger's reaction to it, even though it was very hurtful, but I can also understand it mm-hmm. because it's only just right after he opens up, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like he will like want to go back to his shell like right after if he finds out that his he's going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Um and it makes a lot of sense to me. Like it's probably what I would have done to be honest. <laughs> it's just like, oh, if I haven't trusted a person in a long time and this is the first time I'm placing my trust or opening myself up to another person and knowing that I'm probably going to get hurt, I'm just mm-hmm. like gonna shut myself up like completely. So yeah. I can understand why he did it. Um obviously not the best thing to do, but I think I really have a lot of empathy for him because he has gone through a lot and his person personality itself is just pretty good too. Mm-hmm. So I like him. I agree. So yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so the next number is actually my favorite. It's Take Me or Leave Me. Um, so there is a two-month time skip uh, to Valentine's Day and Roger is living with Mimi, but he's still jealous of Benny and is contemplating living town and selling his guitar. Angel and Collins are missing, uh, and Maureen and Joanne are rehearsing in a very on-again, off-again kind of relationship, while Mark is kind of stagnant of where she, where he is. So um, we cut to Maureen and Joanne. Maureen uh, sold out and is performing where the lot used to be and is now the uh, cyber studio. Mm-hmm. And um, Maureen and John kind of like keep clashing because of their very different personality types. So Maureen is very like type B while Joanne is very type A. Um, and uh, John is really jealous of all the attention Maureen is getting and is scared Maureen would be unfaithful, which I would understand like, when you think about Joanne is the other woman because Maureen cheated on Mark with her. And mm-hmm. if I were Joanne, I would not believe the partner would be faithful either because you know they have the capacity to be unfaithful. And she um, has been unfaithful, right? Like she cheated on Mark to be with him. Exactly. To be with her. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so I understand why she's jealous. But to be honest, I don't think there is anything she can do to calm that jealousy because their relationship was born out of unfaithfulness. But um, Maureen tries to like calm her down still by saying it's like just flirting and nothing more is happening and she should take her as she is or leave it. And Joanne kind of like echoes it from her side of things. Um, so as I mentioned, it is my favorite. It's really catchy. It's a really, really good duet. I still really dislike Maureen, but uh, I cannot deny it's such a great song. What do you think? I agree. I really enjoy this number. Both actresses in this number perform so well. Their yeah. acting's top notch. And the chemistry they have with each other is really amazing too. Mm-hmm. I think in general, the casting for this production, like the 2008 um, performance, has really, really great casting. Mm-hmm. Like everyone has really good dynamics and chemistry with each other. It doesn't feel like it's forced or fake or anything. Like it's very natural. Usually, I have a hard time like trying to believe or like trying to get um, moved by the the romance between like lesbian couples mm-hmm. but this one totally does the trick for me I think they even though that they have very different personalities but to be honest I can really understand how or why they are attracted to each other and that's because they're just so different yeah. and um, that really sells it to me I conv- I, I'm convinced I believe it and <laughs> the yeah the song musically is amazing too um yeah, I have mm-hmm. nothing else bad to say about the song. Like, it's, 
I enjoy the performance whenever I watch it. And I'll even like Google the song to just to listen to this piece. And oh, no I think that says a lot of uh, how much I love this piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, same. All right. So from here, we go to Seasons of Love B and Without You. Aww. So we cut. I know. <laughs> cut to Angel and Collins at the hospital. Angel is very sick and Collins is taking care of him. Um, yeah, this moment is really, really tender and sweet. And meanwhile, Roger is waiting for Mimi in her apartment and Mimi is chronically late. Um, and Roger is kind of like sus- suspects that she's out with Benny, but um, we find out that her drug problem is escalating. So uh, she starts singing, I should tell you, and Roger perks up because he thinks Mimi is going to open up and be genuine with him, and she decides not to go through with it, um, and after that he leaves. And when he leaves, we see her taking heroin out. She throws it on the ground and sings how much Roger means to her, um, and by the end of the song, they reconcile. So as I mentioned, like, Mimi had, like, she started off with a little little bit of a wrong foot with me because of the whole drug situation mm-hmm. um, in Out Tonight. But I really, I don't have anything negative to say about her apart from that. Like, I don't dislike her. I feel a lot of sympathy for her. She has, you know, a serious problem and she needs help to get better. And I think, like, Roger is really a good influence on her for that. And she's, from her own end, trying to get better and like doing her best and I think it shows in her performance and it also shows how genuinely she cares for Roger um which if she wasn't taking it seriously would wouldn't be the case I think it's a really really cute number I agree and let's not forget technically she's only 19 Mm -hmm. so I can understand like she's made wrong and bad choices in the past but knowing rogers and having rogers in her life like you said really has a positive impact on her and from here on like obviously she would still make some poor decisions from time mm-hmm. to time but i think in general it does have a positive impact and she is only trying to be better trying to do better mm-hmm. from this point on a lot of people i don't know why like hate her character a lot but i think she's quite believable in the way that if you're young and you're only 19, obviously you're probably quite attractive too. Um, it's not surprising that she would have like a wild life kind of, but everyone can come back from that probably. So mm-hmm. I'm glad that they found each other in a way. And the other cute details from the song is that when Rogers was, was walking out of the door and Mimi called him, he was, she was like, hey, and he turned back with a smile on his face. I, yeah. I guess they like, probably assuming Mimi was going to like convince him to stay, but instead she was just like, "Oh, never mind," and he leaves. In like that's why I should tell you. I yeah. like it so much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I thought that the acting again just so convincing. So I really enjoy it. Yeah, so I good. Great. Yeah. Um. Oh, I guess, okay, and I think this is the last time I'm going to call back to another musical. But <laughs> No, do all you want. It's okay. Are you sure? I mean, I can't relate, but Not probably enough. our one, audience can. For this one, you'll recognize because it's... Okay. So, um, if you remember, in My Fair Lady, which, like, is... So far, I think in the favorite, my favorite musical of what we covered, but um, there is a song called Without You, and it's very empowering because she says, like, oh, you know, the whole world will, st- like, still spin and it will, like, 
continue oh. on, on as normal in Without You. And she's taking it as a very empowering thing to like uh, sever the relationship of her and Professor Higgins. And in here, she says the exact same thing. But the way she ends it is like, oh, you know, everything will continue normally, but I would die without you. So it's almost the exact same up until the very last moment and that make it feel so different from each other. And it's just like crazy how everything could be almost identical and just the tiniest thing will flip the, the meaning of the exact <laughs> song. Um, uh, but yeah, musically, I love this song as well. It's a really, really great number. And it's such a genuine down moment for me. And I think it's necessary because... Again, because she started on the wrong foot, it's important to ground her and show why she's important, why she's likable, and what Roger sees in her, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree. Musically is really amazing. And mm-hmm. I like that she has this kind of like a self-reflecting moment mm-hmm. of recognizing how what is her priority, pretty much. <laughs> like, is it going to have fun or is it Rogers, which is somebody that she clearly cares for? And what is really amazing about the song is that even though it's only Mimi singing, but mm-hmm. we see like Joanne on the side and Angel on the other side. Mm-hmm. And it's like kind of like telling you the situation that the three couples are are in. Joanne obviously she kind of just broke up with um, Meringue and she in a way is also saying that she cannot live without Meringue and then how much she loves her and cares about her and Angel obviously we see that she was like kind of just lying on the on the table and we later learn that she is sick right and um, Mm -hmm. and Collins is like they're trying to take care of her so I think it's very brilliant the way because it tells you how much these three couples really care for and love each other and well this is Mimi's reflection time even but we also get to see like what's going on in the other two couples life Mm -hmm. I agree um okay so here we have a mishmash of three songs so voicemail four contact and I'll cover you reprise so um the newspaper calls once again asking Mark to work with them um, then the cast sings about their sex lives, and at the end of the song, Angel dies. So the cast sings about their memories of Angel, which was a very sweet moment, actually. And finally, Collins reprises uh, their duet of I'll Cover You. What do you think? It's such a sad moment. I know, I know. It's really the saddest moment. When when Collins sings about I'll Cover You reprise, I mm-hmm. was crying hard. <laughs> because in his acting you see that he's not crying, but his eyes were just so full of emotion. Mm-hmm. The way that he starts the song is just... And it reminds us how sweet the song used to be, right? But now mm-hmm. it used to be a duet, now it's a solo, and he's singing it by himself. It's just really heartbreaking to see it. And I think he does a really great job. And his vocal's great, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I really like yeah. the singing. Yeah, goodness. It was, it was really, really great. So combined with that acting and the vocal together is the the performance was heartbreaking. It's that moment when you realize that something good is take, being taken away from you. And now you have to live with the reality that this right. person or this thing is no longer with you anymore. And um, and that recovery phase where like, just how you deal with grief is very relatable I think to everybody so yeah I I'm personally very very moved by the by his performance Mm -hmm. what do you think 
A hundred percent. It is very, very sad. And the way he inserts emotions to his voice and to his face, like you mentioned, is very impressive. And I a hundred percent see how crushed he is to not have Angel around anymore. Um, in terms of contact, we both agree that this is like, it's probably my least favorite song in a musical. It's not necessary to be there. And it's not just like, again, us being necessarily prudish or uncomfortable with, you know, the sexual acts in there. It's just not contributing anything to the plot. And it's just a sharp jerk compared to, you know, what's going to come afterwards. I don't like think it's necessary at all. So I would personally omit this one. Um... After I was con- actually really shocked <laughs> yeah. at how explicit it was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not as explicit as, like, I guess other things that will come. Like, um, I watched the Rocky Horror Show, and I didn't really know what to, what I'm going to, like, walk into. I didn't listen to the cast recording or anything. I just knew, like, it might be scary a little bit, and I was a little bit taken aback based on what's happening on stage. And even in, like, Rent and Lovey Bohem, um, they had, I think more explicit or like as explicit things that they were, they were doing or saying so it wasn't as bad it was just really unnecessary and it felt almost inappropriate not in terms of like you know um the children can't see but inappropriate in terms of like what the what is going to come afterwards mm-hmm. um so I wasn't a big fan of that but yeah in terms of I guess right before I'll cover you the stories the cast tells of Angel were so sweet so um we learned i think like angel was mimi's best friend and um the story mark told about angel of like how she helped a bunch of tourists uh find their way in new york city and the tourists never found like never seen a drag queen before in their lives and you know by being like such a sweet person and helping them around like they totally were okay with the idea afterwards and didn't think anything of it. So I think it was just so sweet to hear these like genuinely nice moments about her life and her impact um, was really, really nice. And I think it was a good way to like send her off. Yeah, um, sure. And of course, when it's in the end taken with a like, cover you, it's sending the moment to an entirely new level. And I think it's a good send off for Angel. Yeah, I don't think necessarily musicals do funerals all that well. It really depends. And I think this one is definitely a hit rather than a miss. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the next one is Halloween. Um, So it's Halloween and Mark calls the news office and confirms he signed the contract. And as a result, he is selling out. He is upset by this and reflects on how he got where he got. So um, I think this is like one of Mark's first solos and considering he's kind of like the point of view character you know almost quite literally the point of view character because he's like recording the entire thing and he's making a documentary out of everything it's very surprising that he has such little importance to the plot um until now so I think it's important that he did get something and I do get that he's very distressed by the entire situation um it does feel like a very melancholic song and it doesn't ease the tension at all it just keeps you in a very bad place up until like essentially the finale almost what do you think yeah I agree I think to Mm -hmm. be honest I don't really have too much feelings toward him Mm -hmm. almost yeah um so it's more like just like oh yeah he's there kind of but I don't really think too much of it 
Mm-hmm. And I guess that kind of continues with his number two. It's just like, oh, I think it's nice, like you said, to kind of get to understand a little bit about him. But mm-hmm. that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I in general, I just don't have too much thoughts or feelings toward Mark in in particular. Yeah, he was just kind of there. I don't really see what's the point of having him in a way like oh. I know that he's the narrator but that's about he's it. He's the narrator and I also think he's the glue because he's what connects like Joanne and Maureen to you know uh Roger and Mimi and like Collins and An- Angel um so he's kind of the glue that binds them all and as a result he's a bit flavorless you know and the fact that he's a narrator on top of it all mm-hmm. and has the like the lowest stake in the plot puts it yeah. even over that yeah so I think while he's absolutely essential to, you know, what happens there, he's not the most interesting. I don't think he'll be anybody's favorite at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but yeah. saying that, I still really, really enjoyed the tank of Maureen and his interaction with Joanne. Yeah. Um, I cannot forget that. That's a very important. Good job, Mark. Um, <laughs> is that your favorite? Was no, it's favorite? not my favorite. My favorite, okay. yeah, my favorite is take me or leave me. Okay, okay. Um, all right. So after this, we have Goodbye Love. So um, Roger sold his guitar, bought a car, and he's leaving to go to Santa Fe. And um, Mimi is with Benny now. So the entire gang is fighting among themselves and everyone is breaking up. And Mimi and Joanne are angry at Roger and Maureen because they feel like they gave their all to the relationship while Roger and Mimi kind of like withhold affection from them. Um, and then Collins, acting kind of like Angel, calls them all out and he feels like his family is breaking apart and is going away and all of this is happening on Angel's funeral on top of it all. So um, Maureen and Joanne break up and make up for like the millionth time while Mimi <laughs> goes with Benny. So um, Mark confronts Roger and tells him to stop escaping his pain and berates him for letting Mimi go. And Roger jumps back saying Mark doesn't know who he is and masks his own pain through his work. And that kind of like makes Mark a hypocrite for calling Roger out um, and telling him not to run away from his own baggage and fears. And before leaving, Roger sees Mimi outside and she reveals that she heard his entire conversation with Mark. And she came to say goodbye. And is still clearly like in love with Roger, but he lives anyway. And right after that, Mimi decides to check herself into rehab. Um, Benny offers to pay for the rehab and for the funeral. And it, that's kind of like the redemption arc he has. Personally, I really, really like that they're calling back to Mark and Roger's friendship. I think like their friendship is very believable and very strong here. And, you know, I always like the family arc and I always like the friendship arc. And I don't think you see a lot of like friendship between guys that is very genuine and very caring in musicals at least, um, and I guess maybe in movies in general, but they definitely care for each other and try to, um, you know, help each other through hard times, and it's very convincing and very sweet. So I like that about it. But what do you, what do you think? I agree. I think this is coming from, like, a female perspective, right? But yeah. when I think <laughs> of a guy's friendship, they're not like girls who are like always sharing their deepest feelings and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's most of the time from at least like observing my boyfriend is mostly a gaming or like you're doing some kind of activities together. And it's less about like sharing your um, feelings and emotions and that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. I like that they have it here. And like you said, it's very convincing. It's very sweet to see moments like this because it shows that they care. 
and is a very genuine friendship that I, in general, just enjoy a lot too. So I also enjoy that piece. The other piece I I kind of didn't like was how Roger handled the conflict with Mark necessarily because mm-hmm. he's kind of being a jerk by calling out Mark and be like, "Hey, you also." have a lot of failures kind of and then like who are you mark like you're just hiding in your work that kind mm-hmm. of thing and whereas mark was really trying to come in and help him and, and encourage him so i believe he came in with a good intention but just i guess roger being um defensive and all like trying to say hurtful words because they two obviously know each other so well and they probably know each other for a really long time so they know exactly where to poke um to hurt the the other person i can kind of see that though but like while that's true so definitely mark came in with like good intentions and he tries to like you know make roger do the right thing roger came in there with like you know anger but they both said very true things and they both said exactly what is needed for them to have a change you know, without each other and without this specific song, there is absolutely no way they would have had to change, like, regardless of what happened with Mimi, and Mark had absolutely no one else in his life, I guess, to catalyze a change in him. So, like, without this kind of, like, song and relationship, it, nothing would have happened between them. So even though, like, you know, Roger did come in, like, a defensive way, he still said something that was really true and really important for him to say. Yeah, but, like, I guess just the way he delivers it oh, yeah. could be... Yeah better but yeah mm-hmm. i agree yeah other than that i don't know i think this song was left in the movie but halloween so like the previous song by mark i'm not sure if it's it was in the movie because it's been a while mm-hmm. but if it was i couldn't really remember it <laughs> and this one is definitely more of um a conflicting number yes. um but it's probably the last one to be honest because from then on like everybody kind of sort their shit out mm-hmm. and um and we're kind of going towards a more agreeable happy ending from here on so what's amazing in this musical is just they have a lot of numbers where they're fighting mm-hmm. but they also have a, a lot of numbers when they're just celebrating or appreciating mm-hmm. each other together yeah. so um obviously act one is a lot longer than act two i think and Mm -hmm. they have a lot more numbers but um the fact that they're able to include so many numbers and um capture so many different kind of dynamics and interactions Mm -hmm. between this group of friends i think is amazing yeah um i agree i think like this is probably the last act of them fighting and like being a really big important to the plot and then the nature of the conflict changes afterwards so like you know mimi almost dying so um yeah that's definitely true and musically i didn't think much of it to be honest they had a few moments so i'm assuming like you wouldn't necessarily like the song because it also has a lot of chaotic elements to it and it combines a lot, a lot of like different sounds. I mean, it's um, a fighting number, right? So yeah. It's, yeah, exactly. So like everybody is kind of like in their own space, but they do have a few moments within that song that are actually like very recognizable, but as a whole, it's not necessarily the best. What I truly appreciate essentially is just the friendship between um mark and roger and i also kind of enjoy the parallel of you know joanne and mimi singing together to their respective partners Mm -hmm. um because i didn't notice that parallel before they sang it but it actually makes a lot of sense 
Um, all right, so from here we have what you own and voicemail five. So um, Mark goes to his job and he hates it since he feels he is giving up on all, all of his principles and um, he's thinking about like using his work as kind of like escapism. Um, meanwhile, Roger reflects on literally escaping <laughs> from Amy and seeing her everywhere still. And they both decide to, like, confront their emotions head on. And to do that, Mark quits his job uh, and finishes his documentary while Roger decides to be home for Christmas. Um, after that, their parents call their kids. So I believe uh, Roger's mom calls him, Mimi's mom calls her, and uh, Mark's mom calls him. So um, they're all concerned and they're asking where they are. Call your parents. Last time I'm going to say it, but call your parents. Um... I think this is really, really important. So the fact that it comes right after, you know, the conversation they have, um, like Mark and Rogers, means that, like, it really was essential. And the fact that they're singing it together is kind of like a continuation from that. I think it's a relatively memorable number, um, but it's mediocre still. What do you think? Yeah, well, okay, so I don't have much thought about voicemail. <laughs> Mm, yeah. Again, I think it's nice to see like all the other parents trying to reach to their children and it kind of plants the seeds knowing that, okay, like, you know, nobody can reach Mimi kind of because this is first time I think Mimi's mom trying to reach her. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that I, I don't have really, I don't really have much to say about that. Mm -hmm. But What You Own, I think is a very interesting song. I actually like it. Mm -hmm. I think it's a pretty interesting number because, well, first of all, we never really see Mark and Roger sing together, except for like in Rent or like in the all the, you know, sing together number kind of. So they never really have a duet together, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think. So, yeah, it's nice to like watch the two friends sing together. I mean, I guess the previous then. one, but they don't sing at the same time. Yeah, exactly. And they're like kind of fighting. So, yeah, <laughs> um, fighting can be a duet. <laughs> I mean, that's true. That's true. Thinking about take it or leave me, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I like their voices together, to be honest. And I, again, really like the friendship aspect of it. And how the fact that it's placed directly after their fight is has a lot of narrative importance to me. But musically, even though I do remember it like completely, I still think it's kind of like middle of the road. Yeah. The other question I have, sorry, is that when Mark said that I need to finish my own film and then he was like, I quit. Yeah, I I think the reason why I always had a hard time trying to understand the character of Mark is because I don't understand if he comes from a pretty good supportive family. I mean, obviously, we don't know about his wealth or anything, but it seems like his family is supportive and he apparently can owns a set of skills that can get him pretty good paying job. But his only reason to refuse to work there is because the so-called sellout yeah. and he's refusing to sell his soul, pretty yeah. much. Like, I don't understand why working for a company and not doing what you're most passionate about at the beginning of your career is like selling your soul necessarily. Mm -hmm. Because everyone needs to start somewhere, right? And just because you don't have the funds to start your own projects now doesn't mean that it's going to be the same way. But you can save up and then trying to do what you're most passionate about in the future or like trying think... to pursue your so-called arts. So I don't know why he's so resistant to that. 
it's not about funds. He doesn't need any funds. All he needs is his camera, right? But in general, like, I think it's about the bohemian lifestyle still. So, like, I think especially in, like, for rock artists and stuff like that, selling out and becoming commercial is a very big deal. And I'm thinking it's for the same reason. So selling out is becoming inauthentic to them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the act of being a part of the machine or, you know, being the man, if you're going back to School of Rock, is, you know, very a very bad move. It shows, like, you essentially lost your soul and your morals because they don't believe in anything related to, like, you know, capitalism or how it works and, like, want to appreciate arts for art's sake and not because it can generate money. And I think that's that's the big reason. And selling out is actually a really, really big theme in here. So Benny is kind of like the quintessential selling out. Yeah. And that's a very, like, that's part of the reason why he's shunned by the grape. Um, and, you know, Maureen is shown to have absolutely no morals because of the ease of selling out she did. So I think it's because of the time that it took place and also specifically tied to the bohemian feel of, you know, the entire musical. Okay, but... I understand I just, what you mean. Like, if, yeah. if you definitely want to, like, live in the system, and you, if you're a rational person, you'd be like, oh, you know, he's working in a job that is in his field. And, um, you know, even though it's not high art, uh, it's still making you money and it's important to be able to support yourself. But, you know, it's it's very different morals from the one he has. And I think, you know, that, that kind of line of thinking of, like, you know, work in your chosen field and do like support yourself as an like person is important it's the like rational thing to do um it's definitely going against his perspective as a person okay okay that's fair Mm -hmm. um so from here we go to finale a so um we cut to the homeless um caroling again and uh once again the song kind of like devolves into their living situation um mark kind of like sees the footage he amassed during the past year while Roger is back and uh, he says he cannot find Mimi anywhere. So Collins told Benny's uh, wife that he's been cheating and rewired the ATM to give out cash to whomever punches in Angel as a code. And uh, meanwhile, Maureen and Joanne enter with Mimi, who was living on the streets and is now very, very sick. And she and Roger kind of like get closure, I guess. I'll just mash up everything. Um, so the next one is Your Eyes. So Roger, thinking Mimi is about to die, shows her the song he's been working really hard since the very beginning of the musical. And the song is all about her and the relationship. And after kissing him, Mimi momentarily dies. Um, really pretty much right after Mimi is revived and is getting better. Her Mimi, her Mimi, her fever broke down. Um, and then Mimi and jo- Roger sing in unison, No Day But Today. Um, And then they're joined by the rest of the friends group. And after they sing, Mark projects the video he finished. Yeah, so that's that's Rent. What do you think about the (laughs) very final sequence? I thought the final, obviously the ending is very not realistic at all. It's just (laughs) kind of for the sake of having a happy ending and make sure that uh, Rogers and Mimi can eventually, finally be together. So not convincing at all, but like, what can you do is a story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I think that it's very unfortunate because I think the ending, it's a bit weak. I'm not particularly moved by Mark's homemade film or like the the, the art that he yeah. made. Mm-hmm. I didn't really understand what's so artistic about it, to be honest. And it's probably just me because I'm not a very artistic person. But if anybody else also feel like, 
you have no idea was so artistic about his work let me know so <laughs> I know that I'm not alone but but yeah that part didn't move me too much I actually thought that it would be like a part when I'm like bringing back all the memory and trying to cry or like wanting to cry but that just didn't happen for me mm-hmm. yeah yeah what what about you what do you think about the final sequence um I'm for one I'm a sucker for happy endings I know it's pretty unrealistic that Mimi is revived but I'm happy she is revived and she and Roger get like a second chance and they're more earnest about you know the chance that they got I think the song he composed for her is very unrealistic. I well, not unrealistic. It's very underwhelming. It's, it's not that good, too. It's not very good. Um, I didn't really like it at all. I definitely think the like I should tell you song is a lot better. Um, yeah, but the finale, I have no complaints. It's a happy ending. I like that it's a happy ending. I like the callback to Angel. Angel actually comes back in the end of the song, kind of like to be with the rest of the cast. So I like the fact that they're all together and they're all unified as like a friends group and that Roger and Mimi get their like happy ending as well. So yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. I, li- I like the fact that he comes back to the stage too. Yes. Oh my God. And then the actor was kind of crying when he came up. And oh, really? I, I did was- not notice that. He looks like he is very emotional. Oh. <laughs> yeah. A very Wait, powerful performance. This is the end. So yeah. you have to tell me what's your favorite. Oh, it's really hard to pick. You have but, to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, so there are a couple ones that I really enjoy. Like, Take Me or Leave Me. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really like One Song Glory. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, what's the other one well I is in Santa Fe and I'll cover you so those are my top five okay and they're all kind of equally <laughs> Do one, I have has to pick one? Out. one has to edge it out I don't oh, care no. <laughs> pick one. Oh no okay I'm gonna pick one song glory then it's a very good song yeah I can totally see it yeah I mean there's a real there are a lot of really good songs in, in this musical, I think. Um, and again, I'm biased because I'm very familiar with all of them. But yeah, it's very hard to pick. Um, all right. So do you want to say your final thoughts or do you want to do a quiz first? <laughs> I'm going to say my final thought first. Okay. So in general, I really enjoy it. I like it a lot. Um, most probably because I knew this one since I was a kid. And that kind of definitely has an influence. <laughs> um, I think the show like captured the sort of the wild magic of the city at, at the time. So even though that it's pretty outdated, to be honest, like the equipment that they use or like some of the concept or like the situation is probably not applicable to where we are today anymore. But I still think that it's a very great production of its time. Obviously, if you want the show to kind of continue lives on, there is a lot of things that you need to update and revise. And mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I hope that I do that. Or I don't know if it's worth doing that. But I think it definitely can be improved, especially in modern time. But nevertheless, I enjoy it as it is already. I enjoy the musical aspect of it. For me, the big thing about musicals is that the plot and the music has to be good. And for me, this the music in this musical in Rent is definitely up there. I like the rock element in it. I like a lot of the duet 
or um, the singing numbers together,、mm-hmm. and even the smaller numbers or、uh, like some backup background music, I think are pretty nice too. So what a sharp contrast to Emily. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> wow, I did、um, not realize you'd hate Emily so much. <laughs> no, I just think the music was boring. Okay, but in、okay. terms of the character, I agree. Not every character is very likable, and to be honest, some they are all kind of flawed and horrible in some way. Like for example, even Angel, like the best or like the 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 one with like least flaws, um, kill a dog. So you know, like they all have their wrongs in some way,、mm-hmm. but I still really enjoy them because I think it's. What make them very believable in a sense? So not everyone is always going to be so like selfless or like so perfect, but instead they're going to have their person personality flaws. They're going to make poor decisions, or maybe they're just not great person to begin with, like me trying to convince Rogers to do drug with her.、Mm-hmm. So I I understand that, and I think. Honestly, the character, even though they are not perfect, but、mm-hmm. is part of reason why it's very relatable too. Um, to some degree, I feel like it's kind of like Miss Saigon because like the conflicts that they portray, or like how the characters are built, are sometimes questionable and、mm-hmm. in some ways very controversial as well.、Mm-hmm. But at the time of its production, it was kind of capturing something um at a time that was not yet provided, and it was giving a voice to people who might not have necessarily had one. At the time too,、mm. and the representation of like LGBTQ, like the drug, like the、uh, the cocaine or like heroin use, and AIDS at the time was almost like non-existent in Broadway or in musical as a whole.、Mm-hmm. So in that regard, I like how it kind of opens the door, like Miss Saigon, for Asian characters or Asian themed musicals. Like it kind of opens the door for. All the other more modern musicals to chal- to have a more challenging theme or to capture more of those like social elements to it.、Mm-hmm. So I like it in that regard. Yeah. Yeah.、Um, What about you? So yeah, before you know, watching the, the musical, I listened to a lot of like、uh, video essays and critiques of it,、mm-hmm. and that was kind of like. Supposed to make my first impression, I guess,、uh, along with the cast recording, and a lot of the critiques were like, "Oh, you know, the cast is really unlikable because the narrative paints them as being righteous," and I didn't get that at all. I did get that they have a lot of flaws and they're flawed characters, and I think they are painted as a found family of sort of like characters who wouldn't make it by themselves because of all their flaws, but they would be able to support each other to become better people. And to support、mm-hmm. each other and give each other, you know, the help they need,、um, in a caring way at least. So I really, really enjoyed that aspect of the musical. There are things I think they did better. So、um, again, I think like the representation they had for like LGBTQ、um, uh, community and you know showcasing the AIDS、um, epidemic, right. After I think, like I think it was like mainly big in the '80s, and this is from the '90s, so、mm-hmm. I guess relatively shortly after,、um, is also very very significant. I wasn't a big fan of you know the homelessness、um, subplot they had here,、um, and you know the narrative of the drugs that Mimi was trying to like peddle on Rogers. But、um, apart from that, I think like they handled a lot of things really really well, and the characters were very convincing. Like I believe that they would act. 
the way that they do throughout the entire story. So I think it, the way that it was written, it was written with a lot of like care um, and a lot of understanding of who the characters are and you know what they stand for. And the music itself, I think, is very good. Um, so even though I did, like personally I didn't find you know the whole thing very relatable, I still like could see things through their eyes and the music. Um, especially coming from School of Rock, which I didn't really like, um, <laughs> is really, really nice here. Like, and they had many, many songs that I did like. Uh, so it definitely stood out for me. Yeah, I just think it's it's overall a pretty good musical. I wonder if people could relate to it more now or if they couldn't or if it doesn't change anything for them because I feel like the overall feel of the environment of how the U.S. used to be like is very different from, you know, how things are right now. And, you know, mm-hmm. the kind of circumstances are happening right now. And I wonder if this is enough to make things unrelatable or unrealistic for people, despite all the rest of the elements being very relatable and realistic. Um, so I wonder what people think. But uh, overall, I actually think it's a very good musical. I understand why it was hyped. I wouldn't say it's one of like, you know, my all time favorites, but I think the hype is relatively well deserved. So, uh, okay. yeah, overall, overall, I enjoyed it. So now... Um, do you want to introduce the quiz for this? Week? Yes. So um, we're doing a quiz called "Which Rent Character Are You?" and this is from Theater Nerds. So have you already done the quiz? I have. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to share your results? Oh, it's very unlike me. <laughs> <laughs> really? Okay. I got, let's do I got it. mini. Really? Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, and underneath there is just a, a quote from her song, um, Out Tonight, which is, you want to prowl, be my night owl, we'll take my hand, we're gonna howl. This is definitely not, not you. Yeah, very, definitely very not, not me. You. Yeah. <laughs> what did you get? I got Joanne. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's also a quote from her song. So I look before I leave, I love margins and discipline, I make lists in my sleep. Okay, this is not true. I don't make lists in my sleep. I think you're more of a Joanne than I'm a Mimi, though. <laughs> <laughs> you're like the farthest thing from Mimi I'm the farthest thing from Mimi I agree I mean I expect I, I expected to get like either uh, Angel or Joanne actually interesting I wonder like what was your selection in terms of like the questions and stuff. we can go through it which one did you think you would get um to be honest I thought I was gonna get Collins Collins no way yeah I don't know I just like he was like really chill <laughs> I could see you with Joanne as well. You're very, you're definitely a pacifist. Oh, really? I mean, yeah. I'm probably not that intelligent, but like, we'll what? See. what? <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Um, but yeah, I definitely like think if there's a conflict, you would try to diffuse it. If like something that smells like an argument comes with, you're like, oh, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, um, that actually sounds very like me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you want, we can go through the answers. I don't. I okay, don't really let's like. do it. All right. So the first question is choose your high school clique. Um, I chose nerds. How about I you? choose loners. Oh, really? You don't okay. have a clique at all? No, like for high school especially, I didn't really make a lot of friends. And yeah. I think it's because I was a new kid. Me too. I actually transferred school. So like I got here in like grade 10, I think. And then I transferred school for grade 11 and 12. And I was a little bit in between cliques, but usually I stayed with, you know, the nerds. <laughs> the nerds? Yeah. yeah. I'm usually just kind of by myself. But anyways. Uh, yeah. Um, all right. All next right. one up. After a stressful day, you get home and I choose make a nice cup of tea. Uh, I choose watch a movie. Tea is usually like a morning thing for me. 
Okay, okay, okay. Tea is anytime for Asians. <laughs> anytime is tea time. Yeah, anytime is tea time. Um, All right. So, uh, oh, and I guess for me, like, uh, my family and I watch a movie every night, and then afterwards we, we do crosswords together. So, yeah, <laughs> I guess that's okay. what I Okay. But um, so, are you gonna pay the re- that rent? I think we're probably yeah, both probably the same thing. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, pick a crib. So they have one that looks kind of like um, a typical New York apartment building. They're still like relatively fancy. It actually looked very similar to the Airbnb I stayed in while when I was in New York, which was in Harlem. Um, next to it, there is like a really big, fancy, well lit house. Um, and after that, there is another, like, building, um, the very, like, iconic New York buildings where they have, like, the escape stairs outside, um, so it looks a little bit more shabby than the first one, but it's still an apartment building. Which one did you pick? I picked the first one. Same. (laughs) Interesting. We have most of the same then. Well, I mean, I don't know. This and the previous one are the two same we have so far. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, What do you value most? Yeah, okay, so I picked you just want to be happy. How about you? I choose um, staying true to yourself. Oh, that's a sweet one. Um, how do you drink your coffee? <laughs> You're going to hate me for this. I, I chose coffee's overrated. <laughs> no! <laughs> <laughs> but I don't drink coffee, you know that. That's true, but I mean, you could substitute for a latte. That's true, but they don't have latte here. They have cappuccino. Anyways, what about you? Black, right? Yeah. yeah. I drink it black. Um, <laughs> your friends would describe you as. Honestly, this is something we could have asked each other, but okay. That's um, true. Okay, what what do you say? What did you say? I say kind. Me but too. what would you describe me as? I think you are very kind. <laughs> okay. I think this Thank is you. probably the most true for you. I would say either kind, intelligent, or reserved. You are definitely intelligent if I was to pick. Oh, really? Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually debating between them, not to just my own horn. I don't think I'm that smart, but I, I picked kindness in the end. Um, but really, are you going to pay that rent? What did I you think say? it's already been paid. Same. <laughs> um, go for it. Describe your squad. Uh, I picked you just randomly crossed paths and clicked. Me too. Okay, yeah, I think that's the most realistic one. Like, you have yeah. an interesting story, history. I don't know. I feel like if you're an immigrant, especially, not to harken back to that, like, it's very difficult to have a history because when you move here, like, you're already, like, kind of grown up and you don't have that kind of, like, childhood friends. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So I think this is the very last one. It's a Friday night out. What is your go-to beverage? I chose margaritas. Same. Okay. Interesting how the result can be so different. Yes. I figure maybe it's the you just want to be happy that I picked and you picked like you being true to yourself that made a difference. Maybe. I think maybe like (laughs) they picked you want to be happy as in you're very hedonistic and like you would achieve happiness through drugs or whatever else. I don't know. Maybe you're reading too much into it. Perhaps, perhaps. Um, but yeah. Okay, so this is the quiz, and this, these were our final thoughts on Rent. So um, I guess we're going for our very final ranking. Uh, drum roll. Go for it. So I'm going to give it 
an 8 out of 10. I'm having a total brain fart right now. <laughs> but, I'm not going to let you off, off the hook, so. Okay, Akita's. Oh, no, this is so sad. Why do you have to do that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to step by the Akita's. Uh, All right. Um, I'm going to give it 7 out of 10. Poo-poo. Okay. <laughs> that's I just fair, really that's like fair. It. Um, <laughs> all right, so I guess that's a wrap on Rent. Um, so you can talk to us about <laughs> the musical or about anything else. You know, if you want to give us a recommendation, feel free to do that. We definitely want to talk about it. If you want to talk about how Rent influenced you or, you know, if you got a new perspective on it during the pandemic, we'd also love to hear that. And you can talk to us, um, you know, on Reddit, on Instagram, on Twitter, even though we don't use Twitter all that much, but you can still find us there um, on Podway Podcast. And you can also email us at podwaypodcast at gmail.com. All right. So, yeah, that's it, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. We'll see you next episode. Bye. Bye.